Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. Please listen to this episode all the way to the end as there is some bonus material that you won't want to miss. is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to the Church Law Podcast. I'm your host, Erika Cole, known as the church attorney. I'm the creator of the church attorney legal audit system, a proprietary process to assess the legal health of denominations and churches. Download your free copy of the Legal Audit Document Checklist found in the show notes. Today's episode is about equipping your church board for long-term success. Serving on a church board is not just an honor. It certainly is an honor, but it's not just an honor. It is also a duty that comes with legal responsibilities and liabilities. I recently heard from a longtime member of a church board who not only quit the board, unfortunately, but ultimately left the church altogether. Why? Because her experience serving on the church board was not a positive one. And ultimately, because the church was unwilling to provide her and other board members with the training necessary to do their job well, she didn't feel that it was a safe place to continue to serve. And this person was a professional who wanted to do a good job, but also didn't want to take on unnecessary risk that she knew would be associated with being underprepared. So in this episode of the Church Law Podcast, if you serve on a church board, if your church has a governing board, which of course every church is required to have, or if you're considering board service, you'll definitely want to listen in. So let's start at the beginning. What is it, what do we mean when we talk about this matter of church governance? So the word governance comes from a Greek word meaning to pilot or to steer. In the context of church operations, governance means the body that has decision-making authority in significant matters. So you will be well aware of the fact that different churches call this governing body by different names. So they may reference them as the leadership team. Some churches call it a board of elders. Some may call it a board of trustees or a board of directors, etc. For purposes of consistency in this podcast, I'll probably be using the term board of trustees or board of directors, alternatively. So in the legal sense, as I've mentioned, it's really the board that has the fiduciary duty or the legal duty to act on behalf of the church. 
So it's important that church board members know exactly what is expected of them to have the training to fulfill those duties and to know the potential risk when they don't. Trustees, of course, benefit from greater legal protection when following established legal principles. That's the bottom line. And that's really the the overarching note that I want to make sure you take away is that when a church board follows established legal principles, it puts the church as well as the church leaders in much better stead. Decision makers are protected by the corporate entity provided that they follow some basic legal principles, such as acting in good faith, right? And so the way that the law generally would see this is acting in a way that a reasonable person would act in similar circumstances, right? So acting in good faith, acting with loyalty, or we also hear of this as the duty of loyalty to the corporation, the church and its best interest. So a part of that is ensuring that the board members avoid any conflicts, any conflicts of interest. So let's talk about what this looks like in practice. First, it's the board ensuring that they know their responsibilities. What does the law require of you? Additionally, what does the church expect of you? So from the legal standpoint, every jurisdiction, every state and the District of Columbia has an annotated code that outlines the responsibilities as a general matter of the nonprofits that are formed in that jurisdiction. So it's really critical for every board member to have at least a working knowledge of those responsibilities. And I have to say, I think that's not always the case, much because of this often a lack of training that we've referenced early in the podcast. And also the articles of incorporation and the bylaws of the church will outline the responsibilities of the directors. The articles of incorporation often reference, consistent with the state law, what the minimum number of directors needs to be, et cetera. And the bylaws will generally outline things like how often the board should meet annually, the number of affirmative votes that are necessary to pass a particular vote. It will generally outline any specific roles of officers and the duties of certain officers, such as the president or the chair of the board, the secretary of the board, et cetera. Next, we'd want to make sure that each board member would become knowledgeable and get training on how best to fulfill these responsibilities, right? So we've talked about knowing the responsibilities and where we would find the requisite information about these responsibilities, but also wanting to make sure that the board members feel comfortable that they can best fulfill those responsibilities. So having a compliance training, also attending helpful conferences, I certainly would indicate that these fiduciary responsibilities would be outlined in any board training, any 
documentation of best practices, for example, for finances, for performance, compensation review, managing volunteers, et cetera. So being in a position where one is an ongoing learner, a lifelong learner, if you will, board service is really is really a critical, really critical part of board service. And then make sure that you're informed, as well-informed as you can be before making important decisions. So again, voting on the decisions on the issues that comes before the board would probably require a board member reading the prior minutes and any documents that are provided in advance of a meeting, reviewing the agenda in advance so that you have a working knowledge of what issues might be discussed and learning diving in a bit, engaging in discussion so that we can be prepared to make the best decision that we can. And then, of course, a big part of the board decision-making process is record-keeping. It is necessary that a board has good meeting minutes. Also, when it is a matter of significance, uh, an appropriate board resolution to be adopted, And then also we want to make sure that every board operates with a proper conflicts of interest, a proper conflicts of interest policy. So a conflicts of interest policy is something that, again, every church should have. If there is, it would, number one, identify if a conflict exists, right? That's the paramount purpose to be able to identify when a conflict exists, and then secondarily to identify what to do when the board has been made aware of a conflict. So one, we want to make sure that we can identify a conflict. Number two, know what to do if a conflict arises. And again, documentation is an important part of that process. One of the other things we would look for, ideally, is an indemnification clause. We would look to the church's bylaws for an indemnification clause. And that really answers the question of will the church indemnify its decision makers, right? So we would want to look into the bylaws. We'd also want to check local law and indemnification just to make sure we are all on the same page with that is, I mean, somewhat of a spiritual reference. It would mean that if a lawsuit were to arise against the organization or an individual on the board by virtue of actions taken in the course of board service, the church would indemnify or step in front of the individual to defend that suit. And so many churches will ensure that they have a commitment to indemnify their board members. So that's something you'll want to look for and be attentive to. And then insurance, insurance coverage. So you want to learn if the church has coverage for its decision makers. Again, much related to the former point that I was making about indemnification. If the church does not have coverage for directors and officers insurance, regularly known as DNO, insurance or errors and omissions insurance. This is something that you'll want to inquire about. And maybe this is something that could be put in place if it is not currently. Of course, we would 
I think most board members will feel most comfortable by knowing that they could have access to expert advice. When it's necessary and as appropriate, it might be necessary to call in an expert like a CPA or an attorney or an expert in any other field that may need to be consulted. For example, if the church were buying property, you might want to have an expert course in the field of real estate in your area, commercial real estate. So as a fiduciary, of course, you're responsible for the church's assets and entering into any major contract or a a loan of significance may not be a good idea to do without expert advice. So that is what might be reasonably prudent or a reasonably prudent person might do before making a decision that will affect the organization for years to come. And then I also like to strongly have churches consider an onboarding process. So when newly elected or appointed board members come into service, they probably need assistance to be acclimated to board service. So this onboarding process can occur via one-on-one mentoring process or more formal group training sessions. Regardless of the process, it should include an in-depth look at the church's governing documents, you know, its bylaws, also the Articles of Incorporation, as well as policies and procedures adopted and currently in place at the church in addition to the particulars of how the board operates. Every board ideally would have this basic service in place. And then board training. Once on board, it would be most advisable that the church would provide regular training opportunities to the board to ensure that all board members are equipped to address the compliance matters that the Church will need to follow any applicable laws and regulations, insurance coverage, risk assessment, and best practices for churches and nonprofit corporate management. As a matter of fact, the episode right before this, we talked about the importance of a legal audit for churches. If you didn't have a chance to listen to that episode, I highly encourage you to do so. I've had people ask, Whose duty would it be to have the church move forward with a legal audit? And generally, this is something that the board would do, that the church board would make the decision to do. Again, this is all a part of fiduciary duties, of best practices, of the church putting itself in the best possible position to protect the assets of the church. And of course, that's financial assets, but it's also the people the reputation of the church and its leaders. So I just want to mention, interestingly enough, I had the opportunity, I was invited to speak at Northwestern University for their nonprofit school of management. They have a faith leaders week and it was pretty amazing in Chicago. And these leaders were very impressive from all across the the nation. And one of the faith leaders there asked me an interesting question. And I said that I would put this out actually on the podcast. So Nicole, this is actually for you. Um, And the question that she said was, what do you look for? I think it would be interesting to know 
given your position, what do you look for in serving on a board? So I'm I'm just going to share my analysis, the process that I go through when I'm asked to serve on the board. And I will say, of course, 25 years of practicing law in the nonprofit and church arena, needless to say, I've been asked to serve on boards innumerable times. And also, I've had the pleasure of serving on a number of national boards. And recently, I was asked to serve on an amazing international nonprofit board. And here are the things that I asked about. And some of it's going to sound quite familiar. (laughs) I did ask about the bylaws, if, if there was a point in time when I would be able to see the bylaws, since this is, again, obviously the document that as a member of the board, I'd be required to adhere to. I did ask about the indemnification provision. So again, I would anticipate seeing that in the review of the bylaws, but that was on my list, as well as the question about insurance coverage, et cetera, directors and officers insurance specifically. I also asked about some practical things like the time commitment. Um, How frequently does the board meet annually? Are these meetings online or in person? If they're in person, where geographically? I asked about the term. How long is the board service? Most commonly, board service is two years to three years. So I asked about board service. I asked about the fiscal expectations. Some boards want you to be a direct financial contributor. And sometimes there's a certain dollar amount that's anticipated. And so I always like to go in knowing that and so that my family can be prepared to meet any um, obligations or expectations that might be included there. I asked for the opportunity to speak with other board members about their experience. I think that's a wonderful way to know about what one might anticipate serving on a board. Um, If you talk with other board members and understand their experience, I asked if there were any open, fiery issues (laughs) because I think that walking into those kinds of challenges, you just want to be aware. I would want to be aware. And then I asked, are there any other issues I should know about? Anything that I didn't ask about that I should know about? And so those are the kinds of questions that I tend to ask when I am considering board service. So... So glad that we were able to cover this important topic of equipping your church board for long-term success. It's important to know that if you are looking to create a legacy, a long life for your church, which ultimately I believe most churches are wanting to do, then it's going to be critical to create and equip a board for long-term success. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. So this is the bonus material that I was referencing in the very beginning. As we listen to the entirety of the podcast recording, we want to pop back in with just a few other important notes. So I noticed that I utilized the word fiduciary, which is a common legal term, but I just want to make sure that I was abundantly clear for every listener. So of course, while The governing board of the church may have a variety of names, as I mentioned. The initial reference from a legal standpoint was the word trustee. And that word really derives from the fact that people in a leadership role 
are entrusted with or they have the assets of the church held in trust. And so that puts them in this fiduciary or legally responsible role. So in other words, a fiduciary is one that's legally responsible for ensuring compliance to the law and making sure that the church meets its responsibilities. So I hope that that clarified the point. Also, as I was covering the fact that in this idea of equipping your church board for long-term success, we talked about the importance of board training. So you might have noticed, um, and if you haven't, we might be able to pop this in the show notes, that one of the things that church law and tax highlights is trainings, church trainings, or trainings that happen throughout the year for church leaders. And I'm really excited that the 16th Annual Church Compliance Conference, which is an event that God really put in my heart to create 16 years ago for church leaders, pastors, board members, et cetera, attend in order to continue to be equipped with the latest information, legal, tax, accounting, et cetera, for churches. And right now we have our VIP registration open and there is a discount available. It's going to be held in person in the DC area. So again, we'll include that link below. Final note is related to this concept of the importance of making choices that are consistent with what a reasonable person would do in the similar role. Again, you've heard me talk about that in the podcast, in this episode. But I do just want to mention the fact that many states, in fact, every state, has some reflection of this concept of charitable immunity. And in fact, the concept exists on the federal level as well. And here's what it is probably heard the term, but again, it reflects the fact that when acting as a reasonably prudent person in your role, many states outlined that a volunteer on the board who's acting as a reasonably prudent person, that is, you're not acting in a way that's incongruent with those compliance concepts that I've talked about, then there is some grace given, legal grace given, as long as one is acting in a charitable role without compensation and acting as a reasonably prudent person, then that defense, if God forbid there is a lawsuit, then the defense of charitable immunity is one that might be utilized in this case. So I hope that adds some additional clarification and some additional food for thought for this super important episode. Thanks so much for listening. for listening. I'm happy to be your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney and creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System, my four-step proprietary process that helps churches and denominations assess their legal risk. Set the tone for integrity in your church and download your free copy of the Legal Audit Document Checklist using the link in the show notes below and learn more at erikacole.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-L-E.com. podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. 
This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights.